What is going on, y'all? Welcome to another new episode of Behind the Scene Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dion Donovan. I write and create my own comics, titles such as Tales of Florida and United States Dino Force. Y'all can check me out on Facebook and Instagram at Title Page Comics. This is Uncle Jack 328, co-host of the Behind the Scene Podcast. As we proceed to give you what you need, please follow me on Twitter at Uncle Jack 328. Follow us on YouTube, Behind the Scene Podcast, available on Spotify as well as Anchor. Let's get it. All right. So this week, very big week in terms of comics for a certain group of fans out here. We've been waiting for years throughout the heartbreak, the delays, the resentment, the frustration, static shock finally came back in comic book store shelves. With a new issue number one as a part of the Milestone Returns series revival. And I gotta say, man, uh, overall, it's been pretty positive so far, dude. And how far back do you know Static Shock? Well, for me, there's two parts of it. Obviously, we all enjoyed the Static Shock animated series on the WB Network. Um, Saturday mornings. To be honest with you, the time when that show came out was towards the end of that run of Superman animated series and Batman animated series. Static Shock, to me, held down and carried that and Batman Beyond kind of were the end of that era, the end of that Saturday morning cartoons era. No doubt. so for me, that's kind of where it begins. And then mm-hmm. later on, as I got into kind of my mid-teens, around 16, 17 years old, I learned about Static Shock and Milestone Comics. I learned that the actual animated TV series was toned down relatively from some of the issues they addressed in the actual comic book, you know. And even further than that, I learned about a man by the name of Mr. Dwayne McDuffie, who was a seminal figure, not only in comic books, but in entertainment, television. Uh, You know, this man man wrote, uh, you know, the script for a video game that was based off of the Justice League TV series. You know, we know what. Came, there were a lot of things that came out of the 1990s in comic books. <laughs> um, yeah, man. And the more, and without kind of getting into a tangent or anything like that, I just know that one of the better parts of the 1990s in comic books was the emergence of Milestone Comics and specifically Mr. Dwayne McDuffie. Um, So yeah, for me, it's limited to the TV show. I never got a chance to read any of the original properties out of Milestone Comics. I definitely am going to go back and do knowledge on some of those. But yes, my extent is the TV show and a little bit of my own research. Because once I learned about it, I kind of became more interested in the story behind the creators as opposed to 
the work they were putting in because that's almost equally as interesting as what they were doing on page. So for me, that's kind of kind of my extent of knowledge on Milestone Comics and Static Shock. Yeah, man, that that I pretty much share the same sentiments as you. I grew up in the 90s and around that time of Batman animated series and Superman and Justice League. Static came out near the end of that Saturday morning cartoon run. And for me as a kid, that shit hit hard for me, man. Being a big time Spider-Man fan, superhero, to see uh, a black character, a black kid represented, you know, by us on the screen was like huge. You know, never before had, you know, we had we had baby's kids. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Written by who? Um, We'll get into them later. later. (laughs) Yeah, so we didn't really have that much examples of us kind of black people being represented in a show and having the main character in the main series be about them. So Static hit hard for me near that run. And then later on in life, I actually stumbled upon some Static Shock issues from New 52. I think I got like two two of them. I read them and I was like, what the hell is this shit? Like, I was just not feeling those issues at all. And then later on, actually, I was pretty late to the game about Milestone Media and finding out the origins of what they did in the 90s and Dwayne McDuffie, Rest in Power, you know, all the things that those guys did and went through to get these books out. And the timing of those books that came out in the 90s was, you know, with the comic book crash kind of didn't help them elevate to the next level but mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying just circumstantial reasons yep. it was uh you know so that's kind of like everyone else I, I joined in with the comic with the cartoon series and then as an adult kind of learned the backstory and on static and everything and then as a static shock fan from the 90s going into this new series i was slightly optimistic especially after the milestone returns preview book that came out like a month ago so i think safe to say my guard was up your guard was up everyone's guard was up (laughs) we've been right because we've been we've been talking about this for a while dating back to last year around this same time we we've been talking about this in particular and why kind of we felt it was necessary for Milestone Comics and Static Shock to kind of make a return here, right? Right, right. And overall, spoiler alert, if you haven't checked it out yet, definitely go check it out before, you know, this is your last warning. Because we're going to go into spoilers, screw it. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, overall, issue number one, man, I thought it was, I thought it was fairly decent. Uh, the storyline... Didn't really dwell too much into his origin. You had to actually buy the Milestone Returns preview book that came out last month. That was basically the big bang. That was the origin explaining that. So this one actually isn't, it's a number one, but you're definitely missing some parts if you didn't get that Milestone Returns book. Because uh, it picks up right after that. There's a lot of more personal conflict with the bully, Francis. Mm-hmm. AKA Hot Streak. Uh I got I got a little something to say about him and his new uh retcon of a reason why he's a bully. Okay. <laughs> I'll get into that later. I'll get into that later. But overall the 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 story was fairly done, you know, pretty straightforward, kind of dealing with some personal issues. Virgil is dealing with how he got his powers 
got some anger. He's got some teenage angst to him. A lot of teenage angst to him. Uh, and I honestly, the art was was really well done. I like uh, Nicholas Draper Ivy. He's a he was like a black indie artist for years, and now he's kind of stepping into the mainstream. So I got to say, big ups to him. He specializes in that black manga look and right, redesigns. Right. Yeah, yeah, he 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 killed it. He absolutely. If you were talking about a modernization of a '90s title, this was the man for the job to give styles and fashion and clothing and looks to everybody in this book. It it definitely screams 2020, 2021, and not 2001, 2005. Mm-hmm. I agree with that because the artwork, the artwork is very clean. Is it's very clean. And you could kind of tell that by looking at it, it is heavily influenced by that ma- by that manga kind of art style. But it also kind of looks a little bit um, I don't want to say cell shaded, but it it almost like the artwork is drawn in a way to where it looks like it's moving on the page. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That, yeah. Like, Yeah, it looks like it's moving on the page, and for the most part, I'm I'm actually kind of scrolling through it right now because you know we review. I kind of like to go through certain panels, but what I like about looking at this is okay. You have the panels, you have the individual kind of kind of artwork, you know, thought bubbles, whatever you want to call it, dialogue boxes, but. The white background that most of these panels have, like in the back of the individual artwork, kind of draws more to it. It kind of it kind of makes your eyes focus a little bit. And I think that kind of helps it because it doesn't look like, you know, I don't read manga. So it it kind of it kind of makes it to where with these backgrounds, like there's there's pages where there's a black background and a white background, but it makes it to where you are trying to look at everything that's on the page as opposed to just reading the dialogue and getting on to the next page. So I definitely can appreciate that for sure. Yeah, man. You're talking about like it's like more of a simplistic style of the artwork. Not in the sense of like it's not highly detailed, but in the fact that there's less mess going on, right? Like a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of, sometimes a lot of comics have a lot of background shit that goes on that you don't really pay attention to and it's not really worth paying attention to in the first place. So there's a lot of, your eyes just kind of just travels along. It's a little bit, this is a little bit more guided. This is a little bit more pristine in the sense of, it allows you to take in more of the art, allows you to take in more of what's happening and it doesn't just become kind of like a jumbled mess you know what i'm saying to the point where you're just colorblind to some of the details you know so yep. i could definitely agree with that the art style and static virgil looks great man static looks static yeah. looks man he I mean, he got the drip man he <laughs> yo man he's got the swag in this in this in this series man from his normal look and then the official costume look definitely a 2020 2021 visual appeal to the character and i would so, say oh yeah go ahead no, no, go ahead, brother. Go ahead, bro. I, I, I was going to say almost like a semi, you know, like like if 
if the Boondocks were to get a reboot, this is definitely, right. I think, the art style. This is the artist to to do it for. This is what they're right. looking for right here. I, I agree with that. Um, so this is kind of what, and 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 this is one of the things that that kind of surprised me in reading it and looking over it because we kind of talked about how the animation style of the series was kind of in that like they didn't have a choice every tv show during that dc animated universe era on on wb was going to be animated the exact same way minus like minus a couple minus the setting of where the shows were taking place all of the shows were kind of meant to have that same animation style you know, Batman the animated series had the same animation style as Superman. The only difference is that Gotham was meant to look like an older city than Metropolis. The same right. way that Static Shock was might have been a little bit more colorful, it was meant to be a little bit more modernized, but still had that same animation style. What I like about this particular comic is that this is a this issue number one is very serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, ain't no bullshit, no uh, you know wit- witty banter, nope. no jokes. This is pretty straightforward melodrama here. Yes, this is very serious. But what I will say is that it's not dark yet. It's serious without being necessarily grim and gritty, which are two words that I hate to use in relation to comic mm-hmm. books. But yeah, I, I can appreciate that, yes, these are young people who are, who are the center of this story, but I don't get the, the, I don't get the vibe that none of the characters that have been in this issue number one are doing too much or that they're over their head and reaching with trying to be adults or reaching with trying to get into things above their age group. You know, I guess, I guess I just said the same thing twice, but you kind of, you kind of get what I'm saying here. Like everything is contained, even though this is a serious story, static shock isn't trying to save the world right now. And the bad guy, the antagonist in this story, isn't trying to end the world or take over the world. So the believability factor of what these characters are experiencing enhance the overall kind of content. You know, what? I, at least that's the feeling that I get in looking at this. Mm-hmm. We get issue number one. We're seeing Virgil Hawkins dealing with something that obviously happened, a traumatic experience that has changed his life, that he is lucky to have made it alive out of, right? Right, right. They definitely explain that people lost their lives as a result of what it was that happened here. But that's not the central point of the story. The central point of the story is... How do you deal with that and then go back to school right after it happens? Knowing that there are people that have been affected by this who not only died, but came out of it enhanced, 
or evolved or maybe even devolved depending on what it was that happened. So Virgil Hawkins, in a way, is kind of dealing with, I feel, a little bit of survivor's remorse. He came yeah. out of this, he came out of this traumatic situation relatively okay. He just doesn't know how to process that and also process the change that he just had to go through here. Like, fuck being a hero. You know what I'm saying? Fuck being <laughs> a hero. Being a hero, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I can appreciate it. I have a certain level of appreciation for that because in this issue number one, if we would have seen him stopping a bank robbery or, you know, or, or a carjacking, that wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense in context to the way that this world has been presented, bro. How you feel about that? Nah, man, you're, you're absolutely right. And the way that this is presented, no, the Dakota verse isn't established yet in this first issue. We're still dealing mm-hmm. with static getting his powers. We don't see Icon and Rocket showing up. We don't see other super-powered beings and costumes saving the day. So this is just smaller setting, high school, more intimate, more dramatic. This is just a teenager who survived something traumatic and is now seeing the fallout of, like you said, seeing friends, seeing people he knows die. You know what I'm saying? At a high school event. I remember during my high school uh, year, someone passed away that was very... uh you know, very popular amongst uh, a lot of us, and a lot of us went to the to the funeral. So I can only imagine if you went to a protest and mm-hmm. half the protesters died, or thirty three percent, or forty percent of them died mm-hmm. during this traumatic experience. How big and shocking would that be? It'd be almost kind of like you know, let's just say like a, a a shootout at a school, a school shooting. You know, of that kind of traumatic experience, surviving that, and then going to class the next day acting like everything's okay no nah, you wouldn't be okay after an experience like that if you you would need some time the whole school would take some time to recover you wouldn't just hit the ground running and let's go we can we can you know get over this quick fast in a hurry no nah, man you, you need to process time to process and to breathe and that's what virgil is going through right now he's definitely processing what happened to him and trying to control his powers and just trying to make meaning of why, you know, possibly why did he make it? You know, that could be one of those things that's going through his head. Like you said, that um, survivor's remorse, you know, just trying to figure out what's going on with him. And by the end of the Sorry. book, uh, you know, things got more personal because, you know, he finally shot, you know, he finally fought back against the bully Francis hot streak in school. And Francis didn't take that too lightly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <He>, <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't gonna take that L on the on the low, man. He he was he was looking for blood near the end of this issue, man. He yep. he showed up to his mama's crib, man. He showed Oh up. man. Bro, <laughs> he violated, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He did that where your grandma stay at, huh? <laughs> like like bro, I, yeah, he violated, man. Super, super violated, bro. Like, of course. And, and, you know, that's like when you're in high school or you're in school, like everybody kind of knows where everybody else lives at mm-hmm. from from taking the bus, from walking to school and everything mm-hmm. like that. But even, you know, if you had beef with somebody at school, it stayed at school. You didn't never you didn't never take it to somebody's crib, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? 
you know, at the worst, you know, it would be at the bus stop. You know, you get off the bus, you handle your business right there. Or, you know, sometimes this shit would end up in a damn, you know, in, in right in front of your house. But right, to right. actually get actually inside, like to just this man showed up at, at Static Shock's crib and literally attacked him right, right in front of his, right in the middle of dinner. You know, like, yeah, bro. <laughs> you know, so he talked him right in the middle of dinner, ecstatic through, you know, his dad's training. He got the upper hand and Hot Streak was like, I'm not taking this L again twice like this, man. man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. Uh, you may beat me down, but guess what? I'm, I'm going to get the last lap and burn Static's home down, man. Just nah, to nah, the- I can't. I, I can't even front, bro. That's a terrible name for a super villain, man. Hot streak. That's a terrible name for a super villain. <laughs> that is that is pretty nineties, man. Hot streak. What the hell, man? Like <laughs> somebody somebody was playing NBA Jam back in the day, bro. Oh, for sure, for sure. Somebody on oh. Stone Media was 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 heavily playing on the Genesis or something. Now, now the original version of Hot Street. What what's the details on him, man? What what's the details on the original Hot Street? The original Hot Street definitely didn't act like some wigger. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He, he was definitely more of a straightforward kind of high school bully. And in the anime series, he kind of had a like almost like a '90s boy band look with his hairstyle and his clothing, a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. almost like a InSync member, sort of, a little bit mm-hmm. of baggy pants. But this one, he's straight up, man. He, he's 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 he, he got he's got his black card, man. In this in this series, dude, he's he got, <laughs> oh, man. He, he's down, right? He's, he's down. down. Apparently, he's down. He's apparently so down, and this is one of my little bit weirdness <laughs> with it. He is so down that he can actually challenge other black people on their blackness and bully oh. you for not being quote unquote black enough. Wait, wait, this is on page, huh? This this is this is on page. This is uh what page was it? Oh no 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 this goes back to the Milestone Returns book. It was okay. It was well, explained. yeah. This was issue zero. That was on issue zero. So maybe that might get retconned because that was written by not the current author but by you know who um yeah <laughs> so maybe this vita vita ayala was very smart to not directly uh, address that in this issue so uh, when i go back to issue zero i'll definitely go over that but overall man i i i got a question for you dude i got a question for you man and if if this current yeah. static shock met miles morales currently like how do you think that interaction would go? Because, mm. I mean, uh, static, static is the prototype. Static is the prototype for Miles Morales. Right. Uh, I, feel like, I, I feel like Miles is a little bit more of that, I don't want to say cliche nerd. He definitely seems more of a nerd type than this Virgil. Like, yeah, I kind of, I, I agree with that, like, with, um, with Miles Morales, I get more of a vibe of prodigy, like child prodigy type of mm-hmm. uh, a vibe off of um, off of Miles Morales. At least in my opinion, I feel that Miles Morales is almost a 
okay, prodigy might be the be the wrong word, but if Miles Morales didn't end up getting bit by a spider and becoming Spider-Man, he still would have ended up being someone who could make a difference and right. change change the world or at least affect the lives of the people who are in his immediate circle. Virgil Hawkins, at least in this issue number one that I read, is presented more of a regular guy or more into that mold of a kid who still is trying to find his way and still needs guidance. You see what I'm saying? Still yeah. relies heavily on, you know, his family and his foundation. Miles Morales was going to be set, not set, but Miles Morales was always presented as being self-sufficient in a way to where when he was in situations where his life was in immediate danger, shortly after getting bit by that spider, he was resourceful and smart enough to figure out a way to handle that. With Virgil Hawkins, that family unit that he has currently is something he's going to need going forward and becoming a hero. And I don't right. think I don't think it's going to be a secret. Obviously, it's not going to be a secret that he's static shock. But when he becomes a hero, that family dynamic is going to be seminal in forming his moral compass. Damn, well, Doug. Yeah, you spot on. Yeah, whereas I think especially now you got me thinking back to the TV series, especially when you put it in the context of the only difference, like the supervillains, some of the supervillains on that show went to school with Virgil Hawkins. In this case, Hot Streak also goes to school with Virgil Hawkins. I'm sure other characters are going to manifest that go to school with him. But the difference between him and them is going to be that family dynamic and that foundation for him to fall back on. The moral compass is what separates some of these people that have been affected by the Big Bang. Virgil Hawkins is just fortunate enough to where he has that family unit there to help him form it. That's the difference between him and Miles Morales. I think if the two of them met, I don't think they'd get along very much. (laughs) Yeah, man. I feel the same sentiments too. I feel the same sentiments too, man. I I, I just feel like Stag Virgil would be a little bit annoyed. I think with Miles, I think Miles would be a little bit off put with with Virgil in the way he's a little bit more stoic as it currently yeah. stands. Because that might change later on. But as of issue number one of this static, definitely seems more stoic. And Polly would honestly like groan at the one liners that. Miles would be saying, or some of the lines he'd be saying, or whatever. He'd probably think he's a cornball, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what, bro? Like, I'm not actually bothered. And and normally, we kind of, normally, I'd be bothered by that overly stoic kind of, you know, too serious type of character. But I'm not mm-hmm. bothered by it in this instance because they didn't present this Big Bang incident as being a lucky situation, you know? He's not happy that he came out of this with superpowers because he could have fucking died. You know what I'm right. saying? Mm-hmm. This, ain't, this ain't Peter Parker. 
the same Peter Parker getting bit by a spider and then the next day standing on the rooftop saying, go web, go. No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He, nah. he's like, I, I, I don't think that once once this situation with High Streak is done, like Virgil Hawkins ain't gonna be ain't gonna be cage fighting to build up a down payment for a new house. Nah, man, he's not gonna be charging electric powered EV vehicles either. Like <laughs> this guy is he's got some issues, man. He he's definitely got some issues, and it's not it's not an easy experience to just I'm gonna be a crime fighter now. Nah, man, I like that. We'll see how far along this goes for the transition. It's, you know, honestly, they could kind of take their time with it. There's no immediate rush. If they can build it up to make it seem worthwhile and to make it seem something, because what you brought up, the family dynamic, that is different in the or in the original series. I think a few of his friends found out later on, but his family didn't know. And it was he kept his identity going for secret identity going for a bit. Well, this one is like from day one. They know. You got a few friends I know and his family. They know he's got powers. Mm-hmm. So, and he has his enemies know too. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's got powers as well. So that there's that interesting dynamic. And I never thought about the, the bang babies, how that might play a difference of him having that core family mechanics that might make him turn for, uh, to be a hero and to have a head on his shoulders while others who come from broken families who may not have a proper father figure in their lives, you know, et cetera, et cetera, who might sell drugs, drug dealers, gang banners, whatever they, whoever these guys are going down the wrong uh, path of life, they can turn their abilities into doing things for the worse, like the character, like Holocaust and, and other characters like that. So that's a very interesting point you brought up. Yeah. Like that's, like that's pretty deep right there too, bro. Like, you know what I mean? That's 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 actual depth right there. And it 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 adds something to it. And I like that they didn't force that. I like that okay, just by seeing by seeing a black family together, mm-hmm. you know that this is something that's important to that character. It's not like they they browbeat you with the fact that Virgil Hawkins lives in a home with two parents. They didn't. They did not overplay that to where you rolled your eyes at it. See what I'm saying? And I nope. can appreciate that. I can really appreciate that because later on, it's going to mean even more when you see him put it all on the line with his family. So, um, but getting into some of the panels here. Uh, let's see. Okay, here. go for it, man. Yeah, let me let me go back because this really wasn't that like this really wasn't a, a long issue either. I don't know the exact number of the pages, but this wasn't a very long issue. They told the story they needed to tell and kind of got out of the way. But okay, let's see here. And this is I, I don't I think this might be like a YouTube video or a podcast. That, that he's listening to, but that's what we're calling it here in Dakota City. Because there was a before and after. The cops unleashed hell on these protesters. I heard rumors of gas. I heard rumors. The gas was courtesy of Alva Industries and it was untested. Guess we were the guinea pigs. They gassed kids who were begging to be seen as human 
They watch them die without ever trying to help. But that's not the end of it. The folks that manage to survive are deep in the trenches of the suffering. Wow. <laughs> wow, bro. Like, yeah. you know, it has some artwork of, of, of some of these kids who are, are mutating, and they don't shy away from it. But the thing is, this isn't, like, overly graphic. This isn't too violent to the point where it separates it and kind of elevates it past being focused towards a certain age demographic. But for this panel in particular, they're referring to the situation that happened, but they don't get too far into detail about it. Now, is that kind of explained more in the issue zero or is the details behind this Big Bang going to be revealed like later on? They revealed the Big Bang in issue zero, and this page actually was kind of was already done in issue zero. This is like a a shortened version. Though the two pages that you see with this with this podcaster was about four pages in issue zero or three pages, just kind of summarized downward to give you more of a brief introduction to what actually happened. The the two guys you see, the demon looking guy and the guy with the like the sub zero mask, those guys were already introduced in issue zero. There's already kind of a a follow-up onto those guys and the one on the left, he pukes uh like acid. You know what I'm saying? And the one on the right looks like a demon. So his parents, you yep. know, kind of left him say they thought he was fucked. They thought he was he was demonic. So that stuff was a little bit more explained in issue zero. And they summarized it cleanly in they, these two pages right here. So it's honestly in a way that I know some people will be missing some pieces for issue zero, but they did in a way to where you weren't completely lost without it. So that's a little bit of a recap, but I don't mind it because I think the art's more is better done uh, this time around than previously. But it is, I mean, it's not too graphic. There was blood involved. There was people screaming, you know, flesh was coming off. It was a very uh you know it wasn't a fun way to get powers i'll tell you that <laughs> no not at all not at all like this this looked like it sucked bro this this looked like a terrible terrible situation to be in um so i i guess it kind of not in closing but I have a feel like when is the next issue coming out is this something that they're going to be doing monthly bi-weekly how often will they be dropping Static Shock issues? Oh, shit, dude. I think it's going to be like every... They got six issues planned for all these Milestone Return uh, series. Mm-hmm. And whatever, whichever one sells the most probably will be continued for another batch of issues. So I think the next one of this one comes in... Not July, but I believe August. It's going to be a little bit of a slow burn. I don't think they're coming out uh, like every month. Because I think okay. ne- next month is going to be Icon and Rocket. And then every other, and then the month after that is going to be uh, Hardware. So they got, they're like releasing the new series like every month. Every month there should be a Milestone comic. But mm-hmm. it'll be like uh, by the time Hardware drops, Static 2 will drop afterwards, and then Icon of Rocket number 2 will drop. So every month should be a milestone book. 
but it just may not be the same series of the milestone line that drops every month. Okay. So, so yeah. Based off of, I mean, because you read issue zero and we both read issue number one, do you have expectations? And if you do, like, what are your expectations for this run of Static Shock? Because obviously, I mean, I don't think we've seen Static Shock on page since New 52. Static Shock was not a part of Rebirth, was he? Nah, he wasn't. He's had a few appearances in the Teen Titans, mm-hmm. and that's about it. So it's it's been a long time since we've seen Static actually do anything animated or on page, on paper. Mm-hmm. So my expectation for this series going forth after this is to tell... I think they're going to tell their take their time on this. I think he probably won't suit up until number three. Three okay. out of six or four out of six. I think we're almost looking like maybe like a next Batman uh, pacing of story. Um, I think with this series, I'm not, I don't really have, uh, I'm not sure where the story is exactly going. It's, it's definitely more personal. Uh, there is no real big bad yet revealed to be, you know, the one he's going to face in number six. Right now, he's dealing with Hot Streak. We know Hot Streak ain't going to last five six, five issues. <laughs> this this is probably going to get settled in the next issue, and then after that, whatever else happens, whatever else, whoever else he encounters, he'll encounter. But I think it's going to tell a straightforward uh, story. I think this is going to be a little bit safe, but they're going to want to build the characters. They want to build the family dynamic. They're going to build Static up so that when season two comes out we're all ready to go and we're already invested for him to do more things so i kind of expect almost like the next batman uh straightforward you get a little taste of the of the of the character being a hero you get a little taste of the personal life you get just a little bit of a taste of everything that's a, that makes you feel good and you're like you know what i want to see more just continuing on forth and i'm looking forward to the next batman tim fox's next series of books I feel like this has the potential to to do the exact same thing going forth. How about you, man? Okay, I well, I think I'm still gonna take a wait and see approach to it. Yeah, because anything can happen. You know, it, <laughs> right, right. Any, any, anything can happen. Changes can happen on the fly. If if readership is low on this. The entire next issue could be completely different from this first issue. I enjoy reading it. I like the artwork. I like the setting. I like that the story, this is the story of Virgil Hawkins. The most important element of this story is how Virgil Hawkins interacts with the world around him. We're we're not getting an overload of information. We're not getting too many background characters. The story of Virgil Hawkins is what needs to be told for this particular series of comic books. My expectations, or at least my hopes, are that the story of Virgil Hawkins continues here. At some point, we are going to come to terms with social commentary. At some point, it's going to happen. There are no two ways around that. And I hope that when we do get to that point, 
that it's handled in a way to where it's better than issue zero. It's, That's all I'll say. Yes. I hope <laughs> I, I sincerely hope that this is handled in a way that doesn't insult anyone's intelligence and also is not meant to oh man. And I gotta be very careful what it is that I'm gonna say here. But I hope that when we do get to the point of talking about social commentary, that we're not doing what X Men did. If, if yeah. that, if you get, if you catch my drift here, uh-huh. like, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't need, I don't need anyone telling Static Shock what it's like to be a bang baby and use that as a metaphor for being a black person in America. I don't need that, bro. I don't need yeah. anyone telling Static Shock that he should be doing X, Y, Z because he's capable. No, I don't need that right now. That's not that's not what I need. I just hope that when we get to that point that mistakes that others have made have been noted and have been learned from because there's an opportunity here to kind of kind of do something different here. And I went into this with very low expectations. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, same same here, man. And especially with the... I'll, I'll, I give credit to Vida Ayala. I know that she has a reputation. Uh, I know that she has a lot of criticism in terms of her skill of a writer. I have to say that this was fairly well done for her, and I, I've got no, especially it's leap years ahead of what was done previously in issue zero. Um, <laughs> so I got to give props to her for kind of shutting up some of the critics. And I'm, hey, I'm definitely going to let her breathe now for number two. We'll see how number two and three goes. But so far, nothing that's too cringeworthy. Nothing that's like, oh, my God, why did they, how, why would they say that? There's no forced, uh, you know, slang to try to make it seem like, you know, this oh, yeah. is a teenager from 2021 or 20, like, there was no attempt at that. It was very straightforward. You know what I'm saying? There, it was very serious storytelling, uh, very dramatic. And I, I, I'll give this one a seven out of 10, man. I think this was, is a, is a decent first issue number one. And I think that as the story progresses, I hope that it can get to where I can say it's an 8 out of 10 or even a 9 out of 10. I think it has the potential to do that, but we'll see what it goes henceforth with number two. Yes, and okay. So what is the Dakotaverse? What is that exactly? If you don't mind kind of breaking that down for a second. Yeah, sure, man. The the, the Dakotaverse was basically Milestone Comics like equivalent to Marvel's 616 universe. It is their specific universe of a major city with Dakota, which is kind of like basically their metropolis in Gotham. And you have all the milestone characters residing in this one major metropolis area. So everyone from Blood Syndicate to Hardware to Static to Icon and Rocket, they all pretty much work within this area of the the city of Dakota. So it's just a name for Milestone Comics 
universe, their own universe, the Dakotaverse. That's really what it's all about. Okay, Icon and Rocket. Icon and Rocket. <laughs> so I guess I'll go into I'll go into Milestone Returns, man. Let me just go. We'll go right into issue number zero because I had some problems with this with this book uh, <laughs> from the get go. From uh-huh. the get go. So you open up the book. We start off with the Big Bang. We start off with the Static Shock origin. There's basically law enforcement, security forces type. Security guards uh, arming themselves up with this, with the gas, with the gas that uh, Alpha Technologies use, and there's a Black Lives Matter protest that's happening, a peaceful Black Lives Matter protest that's happening, and one of the officers says, "What's this crap? Who do they think they are?" And the officer says, "Turn around and get back to school or be arrested." And you get a response like, stop killing innocent people, we will. The guy says, fine, then let them fly. They shoot the gas right into the crowds. And we see the reaction of blood, skin being melting, um, Hot Streak getting his powers. We see Static get electricity around him and having blood come out of his mouth. And we get dialogues such as this from the security force personnel. Is that kid's face melting? Like the end of Indiana Jones. Um, okay. In the middle of, uh, you know, de-escalating the riot, you get dialogue like that. And also, we get, whoa, what in the hell is in this stuff? We need to call some ambulances. Don't get soft. They asked for this. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Right, right. So, after that, we get Virgil Hawkins. He wakes up. Um, he's in his bed, his family's watching him, his dad, they're making basically commentary, and, uh, his sister says, why was, they asked, why was he even at the Black Lives Matter protest? Virgil knows he shouldn't have been there, his parents asked, basically wouldn't have proved him to be there, he went anyway. So they say, his sister knows that he kind of went there to try and prove Frida, who's an attractive, you know, white girl in his school, and... They asked, she said he went there knowing that he was going to get jumped by this bully named Frank. She says, this white boy Frank who wants to prove how cool he is by picking on kids he thinks aren't black enough for him. Oh, man. Direct quote. And (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even making that. That, That's literally what his sister says in the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> oh man. Uh yeah. continue. Continue. So move on. Next page. We see the news report of what's happening, art style changes, and we get the introduction to Curtis Metcalf, who is hardwire. Hardware. And he's kind of like uh Tony Stark. Uh, techno- technological genius kind of guy. He worked for a company since he was age of 14. Uh, kind of took him in under his wing. They've made billions of dollars for him. 
he's kind of like Lucius Fox of the company. Should probably leave the company to create his own company and his own inventions, but legally he can't. They got him basically legally enslaved, copyrighted uh, his work, and everything, so he's stuck with uh, him. Uh, ah, legally. Kind of legally, yeah. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so there are so Curtis and his lawyers, whatever employees, they're seeing this, and the gas was actually invented by him, and they weren't approved to be used by the police, and um. He says that electronic, he says they're totally going to blame me. An electronic document that's probably getting deleted right now, even though I sent the memo. And everyone's saying, hey, calm down, chill out, dude. You know, it's an untested chemical and the police action. Look, uh, don't worry about it, man. Like, it's a bad PR move for them to just, you know, outright blame you. And he says, you think the cops are going to take the blame? You think a multi-billion dollar company is going to take the blame? You don't see how this is going to go? Young black kid is plucked from the ghetto and given the chance of a lifetime at Alva Industries, but he's not as smart as you think he is, and he ends up causing a tragedy with his arrogant attitude. So what are you going to do? What I've always done, look out for myself because no one else will. You Direct think I quote. Direct quote. <laughs> you, don't, you don't think I didn't anticipate this. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag direct quote. <laughs> so he leaves, he's in his car, he's going to a secret hideout, and uh oh man, he transforms into into his suit hardware, and the police are already arriving at his door. Already, just already he leaves this meeting, they're gonna blame me, they're gonna blame me, I'm the black guy, they're gonna blame me. Drives to a secret location, transforms into his superhero suit, and the police are already knocking on his door. And um they open up the door. They start shooting at him. You're under arrest. Drop your what? What? What is that? And the bullets are replying off him. And he says, "You didn't even give me a warning before you attempted your pistols at me, an unarmed man." They ask, "What's that on you?" And direct quote: "The blackness that protects me. Does it scare you? I haven't even started shooting back yet." <laughs> what the fuck is this shit, dude? <laughs> the blackness that protects me does it scare you? Uh, uh man. Okay, Mr. Right. Reginald Hudlin. Um, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, well, hold on, hold on. So, so let me back up for a second here. All now, right. with this being an issue zero, there, there, there's only there's a limited number of pages. There's a limited number of pages available to introduce each series of comic books, correct? That is true. That's true. There is a limited number. You have to, he does have to quicken the pace up a little bit. Okay. Now, with hardware, um, just to, you know, because I guess I'm, I'm trying not to get too confused here, but all of these characters that are within this shared universe, where they, they were all affected in some way by the Big Bang, right? Correct. Yeah, except okay. I- Icon and Rocket. There right. were only two that weren't. Because Icon is alien. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, moving, moving on here. With this in particular, this is where it gets a little bit murky to me. And I, I, and I, we, we, I need you to continue kind of reading some of this off here. But... It's not an issue of the subject matter. The subject matter is not 
the issue at hand here. To me, the writing and the handling of said subject matter is what the issue is here. Yes, it is a true statement that police brutality among black males in America is there. There's no getting around that. There's no skirting around that. If that's something that has to be addressed, it has to be addressed, right? Right, right. However, however, there has to be a better way to write this. There has to be a better way to get that across on page, bruh. Aside from, there has to be a better way, right? There, there is. There's got to be. It's like, it's, I mean, it's, like you said, you, you said they have a, he has a limited amount of space to tell a little bit of an introduction. But when you have their faces melting, like Indiana Jones, and they got what they deserved, and they're asking for it, and what's that what's that on you and the blackness that protects me a better line would be my intelligence that protects me does it scare you that would have been a more clever line my intelligence my intellect that protects me does it scare you that would have been more of a more in line with him because he's actually a smart and intelligent man i think that some of the lines is just reaching it's like low hanging fruit <laughs> you know what i'm saying yes. yeah right right and 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 it's not to say, and it, it's ah oh man, yeah, bro, because because <laughs> oh man, it just it doesn't seem necessary. I guess is is what it is that we want to. The point that we want to get across here is that it doesn't seem necessary. Icon is human, correct? Or hardware? Excuse me. Hardware is human. He, he's human. He's not a cyborg. He's not a robot. Nothing like that, right? Right. So why the fuck is he talking like a robot? Why the fuck is he talking like a robot, bro? Come on. That's what it sounds like to me. That dialogue sounds robotic. It, like That sounds like the kind of dialogue that would be programmed into a black android. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound real at all. Like, and it's comic books, it's dialogue, but you at least gotta make it have some kind of grounded in realism. Like, it does sound pretty mechanical. It does sound pretty typed up. Like, like someone could just auto tune the joint almost. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. like a Star Wars droid or some shit. Yeah, and and okay now. Did, did did Reggie Hudlin? How much writing did he like? Is his name on the on the front cover of issue zero? It's the first name on the cover of issue zero. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, yeah. So it's safe. It, it it would be safe to to believe that this gentleman was responsible for some of for for a good majority of some of the writing and introducing and presenting the Dakotaverse to this new version of Milestone Comics. Yeah, I would, I would have to say he wrote 90% of everything in this book, so it was ultimately up to him to properly introduce the whole comic customer base 
back into the milestone universe, the Dakota universe. It was pretty okay. much his job was to introduce everybody to us for issue okay. zero. All right. So continuing on after hardware, what else we got, bro? Uh, a little bit after that, we got the two pages I mentioned previously about the one news reporter, the YouTube podcaster. He interviews a couple people. And then we get back to Static, and he's figuring out his powers, and we see him get chased, little montage of him training, whatever. He gets chased by the bullies. He says his anger keeps building up in him. He goes back to school, and he walks by a couple memorials of fallen uh, victims of police brutality. So he marches up. Uh, he, he, this is kind of a flashback sequence. This is him at the protest. He gets to the protest. And he talks to Frida. And one of the lines, uh, when he, he gets asked, why are you at the protest? You're not the March type, Virgil. He, he responds, I'm a black person who thinks my life matters. What's complicated about that? And then we get Hot Streak shows up. And he says, oh, so now the Oriole wants to claim some blackness to get some white booty. Oh, man. Oh, boy. <laughs> Hashtag direct quote. Direct quote, yes. <laughs> and Frida responds, Frank, you're such a jerk. You know it's racist to call being smart white, right? Quite, um, slut. Whoa, whoa wait, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He responds, quiet, slut. <laughs> and then Static punches him. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh man all right man 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 i'm glad i did not read issue zero whoa this shit was kind of a hot mess man whoa. oh man wait wait didn't that happen and invent never mind. Anyways, continue. Continue, <laughs> uh, continue on forth. Uh, <laughs> we see Francis, you know, he's he's kind of licking his wound, he's bleeding a little bit from his mouth. He's kind of realigning his jaw and he says, Wow, the nerd grows some balls to protect his ivory princess. Oh my goodness. Static responds, and maybe no one should call a woman a slut. And then they jump him. Francis and his crew. And then everyone else at the protest, a couple of people see what's going on. They say, yo, you see those white boys jumping that dude from science class? Oh, nah. yeah, that was going to be my next question. The, the, the individuals in question who are jumping Virgil Hawkins, they're white guys, right? All white, yes. The three oh, okay. individuals, including Francis, are white guys jumping oh, okay. static. So we got a hate crime taken. All right, noted. We got a hate crime taking place at a Black Lives Matter protest. Mm. Mm-hmm. So we see, nah, mm-hmm. it ain't going down like that. So they interrupt and they fight against them. And all of a sudden, the next panel, we just see a complete riot. Hello, police. <laughs> it's a riot. Three white guys jump a black dude at a Black Lives Matter protest and it becomes a total riot. Oh, man. And by this point, by this point, as you're reading this, how do you feel, brother? As I'm reading this, I just feel like 
I feel like this is this is this is written for the lowest common denominator of a reader, man. I I just I just feel like nah, man. This this is just not. This ain't it. This is not Ooh. flying right with me, man. This is literally a far cry. And it's not like you said. It's not like I have a problem with Black Lives Matter being kind of the crutch of the origin. Mm-hmm. Because if you look back at issue number one, it's barely even mentioned. You know what I'm saying? It's not even it's not even really a part of the storyline per se. And I mean it happened, but it's not really in depth. This is just pure execution. Pure execution on this point. Three white guys jump in a black dude. And Virgil's been apparently jumped by these guys this whole time. Why now is someone gonna stand up for him? If he's been bullied by these three guys during his whole high school tenure or whatever. But whatever. And, you know, like, okay, so you would think that they're going to stop the white guys from keeping him and sit back to the protest. But no, it's an all-out brawl. Everyone's fighting everybody now. And next page, we get Hot Streak hitting on some, uh, some, some, black, some you know, black chick in the hallway. He's like, you know, he's lurking on her, making her feel, you know, uncomfortable. He's leaning against her in the locker. And he's using slang. He's using slang too, right? Of course he's using slang. Let's see here. Uh, Now he's trying to straight up, what's wrong? I'm just complimenting you. I think you're hot. Oh, man. Hot like this, you see? Do you want to be with a hot guy? And he flames on. (sighs) Yep. And then um, Static shows up. He dodges a couple of the fire blasts from Hot Streak. He jumps in the air. And he zaps him. And, you know, Virgil's kind of going kind of crazy. Oh, I'm sick of you. And you're bullying. Now it's your turn. And then a bystander is like, Virgil, please, you're killing him. And there's some inner monologue happening. Killing him, am I? I've never used my powers on a person before. People are ruining for him to kill him. Yeah, fry him. That's what he gets. And he questions himself, is this too much? He deserves it. But that's enough. And he stops zapping him. And I'm assuming that's his Uncle Ben moment. That's his moment of heroism of not killing Hot Streak right then and there with his electricity. Police um, show up. Police show up. He's like, is everything okay? No one's snitching. Hot Streak is like, I slipped. I didn't see anything. Nope, nope. And then we end with Virgil seeing, see, officer, no problem here. A little slight smirk. All right, man. That's enough, bro. That's enough. I've heard enough, man. Yeah, bro. I've, well, I've well, one more sequence, man. One more sequence. Oh, man. One more. The one, and you know the one I'm talking about, because I, I took pictures of this joint, dog. I'm going to just end this right here. <laughs> we got Icon and Rocket doing some surveillance <laughs> under the Codiverse. Some recon, bro. Some recon. Oh, oh man, bro. Some recon. They watching this dude. I don't know, this dude looks like some kind of spawn meets Falcon meets Moon Knight, some Night Watch bootleg-ass weird shit. We see this guy on the balcony of a skyscraper on the rooftop. He sees this young interracial couple, a black dude and a, and a, and a blonde white girl walking down the uh, street, middle of the night. And he's stalking them with binoculars. He's crowded on his wings are apart. <laughs> He sees these two, this couple about to embrace a lovely kiss. He flies down from his rooftop. 
He's ready to he's ready to do some harm on these two. <laughs> and he flies up on them. They both look shocked, and he's in darkness, and he's a, he's he's about to do something to them. <laughs> and the last thing we see is uh we see Icon narrating that, but the one thing's for sure, he hurts them. He hurts them bad. <laughs> Insult. Direct quote. <laughs> they made Dr. Umar Johnson a superhero in this shit, man. <laughs> they made him a super vigilante in this shit, man. Like, if this man unmasked, I'm expecting to see Dr. Umar Johnson <laughs> the mask of this shit. Wait a minute, bro. What's the, what is this? <laughs> I don't even know his name, dog. They don't even give him a name. There's a vigilante out there. He's angry. He's bitter. And he stalks criminals or those he thinks are criminals. He doesn't oh. wait on proof that they break the law. He has his own ideas of what constitutes a crime. Bro. Oh, shit, man. So you mean to tell me, dog? That while bank robberies are happening, while niggas is out in the street selling dope, you know what I'm saying? Old women getting their purses snatched, houses getting breaking into, broken into, police brutality, you know what I'm saying? Child uh, kidnapping, all kind of all kind of underworld nasty shit, right? Right. This guy spent money on a costume, trained himself to peak performance, peak athletic performance, so that he can go out and prowl on interracial couples? Okay. All right, man. I mean... we can't wait for the solo series. Bro, you know what this shit sounds like, man? What does it sound like? That description you just gave me sounds like an In Living Color sketch. Circa 1993, dog. It does, dude. I swear. Oh, shit. <laughs> I swear. It I does. Su- I swear, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, oh, man. Like, I mean, what's his code name? Black Love? Like, what's going uh, on? Nah, bro. Nah, nah, bro. Like, this nigga's nickname is finna be Conspiracy Brother. You remember Conspiracy <laughs> Brother from, uh, from, from undercover brother, like oh yeah, yeah, like dog, <laughs> you gotta be, you really gotta like, what is this? Like, what, what the fuck is like? Come on, man. One this thing is... is for sure, he hurts them. He hurts them bad. Bad. Direct quote. What, what crime was being committed here? I, I, come on, man. If, if this, I don't know, is this supposed to be a metaphor? For some, is there is there supposed to be a meta narrative in here? I don't. If there is, I don't know. But that sounds fucking hilarious. Like that sounds hilarious. And this guy looks fucking creepy, dog. What he does, does. This have to, and, and and what does this have to do with Icon and Rocket? For the record, I don't. They they they're they're surveillancing him. They're doing some some, some dude some. I don't even know, man. They got four panels dedicated to the story. And they don't give a name to this dude. Or nothing. I'm not sure if he's a previous milestone creation. I'm not sure. I've never seen this guy before. I've never seen 
any resemblance to this dude. Uh, so I don't know, man. Well, I don't know what happened to him. That is, did he marry a white woman and she cheated on him? Um, dude, I don't know, man. Did he not get any snow bunnies in, in college? I don't know what's going on with him, man. Like, <laughs> this man is the de swirler, like the de swirler. Yeah, the that's swirler. No, that's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that's him right there, dog. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, the D Swirler, man. That's him, bro. That's, that's him. him. I, I I beg your pardon, bro. <laughs> oh my goodness, oh, dog. Shit. We'll end it with that. That that that's closing comments on milestone no. returns. We'll, we'll end it with this dude because there's nothing much left after that. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah. We out of here on that, bro. That's crazy, man. These but, niggas done lost their mind, dog. Got an iterational. Oh man, vigilante stalking the night to prevent interracial dating. I don't know. I don't know if it, I hope. I hope there's something. De- I hope there's something we're missing here. I hope maybe there's some context missing with these four panels, two pages, but if. You can't properly deliver. You could give four. More, you could give two more pages to static. You can give two more pages of hardware. Why are you trying to squeeze this in if you can't even fully, de- you know, give at least an idea of what this guy is, other than just some kind of hater? Oh <laughs> man, yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna ask you about the origin of Icon and Rocket, but nah, bro. We're we're good. We're good, bro. Yeah, yeah, man. It, it, we're good, man. That's Milestone Returns in a nutshell. Static number one definitely was better written. And uh, definitely, I I kind of rock it next month. We'll see what's going to happen. couple of weeks has been a lot of big moves on Sony's part on their Spider-Verse. We got <laughs> castings of Issa Rae as Jessica Drew, I believe, in the next Spider-Verse film. Fire. Great choice. Great choice. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Spider-Verse too. I mean, they killed it with the first one. We got the trailer. Highly anticipated trailer for Venom 2. The <laughs> First appearance of Carnage in a major motion picture film. Mm-hmm. Woody Harrison. Mm-hmm. At his, well, I won't say at his prime, but pretty much this role is, this is something he should knock out the park easy, man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for the first, for the first appearance of this, of this trailer, your first couple seconds, you see Eddie Brock in the symbiote suit making breakfast. And humming a song. <laughs> oh shit! That's something I've never seen before in a comic, and I'm I'm having some difficult time as a Spider-Man fan for this Venom franchise. I know it's something off the walls. It's something fun. It's something quirky. It's <clears throat> it's made a lot of money. I'm just a Spider-Man purist. I'm adapting to Tom Holland, but something with the Venom and the symbiote suit is just not hitting me right without the involvement of Peter Parker. Mm, but somehow mm. they're just, they're getting it done, man. So they got Carnage too. Carnage coming out. 
Everyone's excited. Is it rated R? Is it gonna be rated R? Nope. It's not gonna be rated R, folks. No. No, like the first movie, PG thirteen got eight hundred mil. They're trying to go for a billion, if possible, with this one. That was a great choice that they made, by the way. Because at the end of the day, if that movie was rated R, it would not have improved the quality of the final product anyway. (laughs) Ah man, nah, dude, that shit was to me was Jim Carrey. The Mask meets Spawn, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that first movie. Uh, so, I mean, in terms of the look, in terms of the tone, it just seems to be continuing straight from the first movie. Tom Hardy's having a blast. You could tell everyone's having fun with this film. Yep. You could tell they just, hey, man, that, 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 that train is still trucking, man. It's, they just keep on moving with the same subject matter, and they're not, they're not going for this dark, edgy grim gritty feeling no man this is fun light-hearted comedic and some dark humor involved with it too tone for venom 2 trailer i thought yep. i'm i'm they're gonna pack i think they're gonna pack seats i definitely think that if they don't do any kind of uh same day streaming like hbo max did Not they can kinda, <laughs> if they could follow a quiet place too uh their routine i think they can make some some good solid returns yeah, and man. Uh, that trailer almost made us completely forgot about. Let's face it, Morbius as well. So, <laughs> oh man, you ain't lying. <laughs> you ain't lying, bro, at all. Yeah, man. What did you thought about the trailer, man, and the overall direction of the Venom franchise? Oh man, I'm gonna say ham and popcorn, bro. That's what I got to say. Or, or wait a minute, can we put can we put Venom? Live action in that cheesecake category. Can we do that? Can we? You know what? That is pretty much. You know, she Venom was in the first movie, and she kissed uh, Eddie. You know, what? fuck it, man. Put it. That's some cheesecake type shit. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I I can appreciate now. I probably will not be in theaters to see Venom two, but that doesn't mean that I'm not gonna see it. I respect. Number one, I respect that they are staying true to that formula of not taking this too seriously. Like, because it would, it would fucking suck. Because Tom Hardy is, I like Tom Hardy as an actor. He's definitely a talented actor. He can get serious when he needs to get serious. He can pull it all off. But I like yeah. seeing, I like it when I see a skilled actor enjoying the part that they're playing all the way down to the fucking Bugs Bunny accent dog like all of that to me all to me all of that just adds to the spectacle these are movies that are not setting out to be good movies they're setting out to be entertaining so in in relation like okay we did a review on Kong on Kong versus Godzilla and we broke it down to where you have to, number one, you have to assess it and judge it for what it is and what it's setting out to be before you judge it as an overall film or a work of a film or whatever. So I can appreciate that Venom and the team at Sony are, they're setting out, they, they want you to be entertained. They're not trying to break the genre. They're not trying to do anything 
other than what works for them. And I can appreciate that. I like it. I like that you have people who know what they're doing in relation to Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams, and everything like that. And they're just having fun making a bad movie. <laughs> Precisely, dog. It's a bad, it's a good, bad movie. Quote, unquote, bad movie. Because the visual, the visual of Venom, of Tom Hardy, Eddie Brock in the kitchen making breakfast with the symbiote in the background cracking eggs and turning the oven on and washing dishes and all of that. For, your, for the Lethal Protector fans, circa 1993 they're they're pissing their pants right now they're they're having they're raging right now bro the marksman is online right now pissed off because that's not venom that's not the lethal protector he's not standing on top of he's not standing on the top of the golden gate bridge ready to eat somebody and and chew somebody in half you know what i'm saying eat your brains yeah bro he's not standing outside of, of peter parker's window when he gets home from the Daily Bugle and jumping him just because he can and, and putting him in a headlock and giving him a fucking nuggie and all of that shit, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? He ain't stalking Mary Jane and watch, peeping through the window waiting for her to oh. dress to wrap yeah. in there a black cat and right, right. Like, beat the shit out of them. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. ain't that. This, no. this is literally the most interesting version of Eddie Brock, bro. Easily. Easily the most interesting version of Eddie Brock. So on that end, that's working. With Carnage being casted as uh, Woody Harrelson, that's great casting because Woody Harrelson, Woody Harrelson is the master at at hamming it up as the mm-hmm. dirty as the dirty crazy white guy that you really don't want to talk to. He was in a movie <laughs> back in the day called Natural Born Killers that was fucking amazing. You know what I'm saying? So Woody Harrelson is definitely the right casting choice. If it wasn't Woody Harrelson, the only other guy that I think could have pulled it off is no longer here with us. Robin Williams. That's the only oh. other that, that's the only other guy that could have been Cletus Cassidy, in my opinion, man. So well, Woody hold Harrelson. On. Hold on. Say, if Jim Carrey didn't do the Riddler, you think nah, he could pull man. off Carnage? Or is that forever ruined? Uh, okay, okay. See, I, I would have said Jim Carrey, but I don't know. And I like, I love Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is a talented guy as well. But Jim Carrey could never be menacing. I don't mm-hmm. know if Jim Carrey could pull off being crazy and menacing at the same time. Because okay. when he was when he was the Riddler, that was just more of him being kind of hokey. You know right. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like he was really just being the mask in pajamas when he was. You know what I'm saying, <laughs> it, it, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Jim, Jim Carrey can be entertaining. He can be condescending and all of that, but he can't be menacing in a way to where you could think he's a legitimate threat. Like Tom Hardy might not be like the biggest guy, but. In certain movies, you've seen him as a physical menacing type presence. You know, if if Woody Harrelson might not have the physicality part of it, he at least looks like he could do something to somebody and be believable in doing it. Jim Carrey can't do that, bro. Yeah, yeah, that'd be one of those where you can see Carnage. You 
you just see Jim Carrey. Yeah, exactly. I, I yep. see what you're saying. Yep. Exactly. So um overall with the trailer, I mean I like I like that we get to see Lady uh you said Lady Venom. She Venom, I think, or Lady uh, Venom, one of those. Yeah, I, I like that we get to see that. I like that we get to see more symbiotes. And I like that, you know, you get to see the interplay between uh, Eddie Brock and the symbiote. The only thing that I will not, the only thing I don't like is the voice. I don't like the symbiote voice, bro. I'm not a fan of that. No, I actually think it sounds, uh, I mean, Philly's pretty decent. Yeah, maybe it takes some getting used to, but that's the only too cartoony or uh, is it like the 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 bass in the voice? What's what's... yeah, yeah, it's that man. It almost sounds like it it sounds like you would hear it on a song, man. Like we mentioned, auto tuny. It sounds Mm -hmm. a little bit kind of auto tuny to me. It doesn't sound alien enough. Oh, okay. Alien. You know what I'm saying? That that's my thing. It sounds too much like an actual person as opposed to being parasitic or, or, or more like alien. So, but you know, that's just nitpicking a little bit. But overall, I'm glad. I'm glad that we're getting Venom 2, and I'm glad that Sony is sticking to the course. I hope that they make their money because we need these kind of movies to get people into the theaters because Fast 9... Is gonna is gonna clean up. Fast Nine is probably gonna make more money than any movie that comes out in 2021. I want to say that early, even though that has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now. <laughs> ben Diesel's gonna be eating good, man. He's gonna be feeling good after those box office returns. Yeah, I got yeah, a good fa- feeling about that too. Yeah, Fast Nine is gonna make more money than any movie this year. But I hope that Venom at least has similar box office returns because Sony needs to get that win and they need to keep the momentum going because the one that they're going to want people in the theaters for is Spider-Verse 2 next year. Mm-hmm. So That one has to deliver. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So if this helps to get people in there and I imagine there might be another. I hope there's more promo or a teaser for Spider Verse Two, like there was with the first Spider Verse. Yeah. So right, right now it's all good. The only thing that they need to do is just they just need to pull the plug on Morbius altogether. They don't need Morbius to do anything to detract from what it is that they're trying to do with Venom right now. Just leave Venom, it in the vault. Yep. Yep. Leave it in the vault or put it out on Netflix as a part of this agreement that they have with Venom. Venom is their golden goose and they need to love and cherish that golden goose so that Spider-Verse 2 can really make that kind of money that it needs to make. And maybe eventually when Sony feels confident enough to stand on their own, maybe there's a chance lightning could strike and the fourth Spider-Man movie might have a Venom kind of teaser or something like that to where they can at least try to pretend this motherfucker exists because I agree with you. The only thing I'm going to say is that I I don't know how much time we have to continue making movies with Spider-Man villains without even referencing Spider-Man. 
I don't know if we can get away with that one more time after this movie. What you think about that, bro? Dude, man, we still got people thinking this is part of the MCU. No, it's not. They're still... I don't know. And that's a good question. How much longer is Sony going to bait people into thinking that this is all connected to the MCU? Thinking that Tom Holland's going to show up for Venom 3, that Tom Holland's going to show up for the Craven movie, that Tom Holland might show up cameo in Morbius. There's... The casual moviegoer just, just does not know the difference. They think eventually Spider-Man's going to show up in the next film. And if he doesn't show up in the next film, oh, well, he'll show up in the next one. <laughs> I don't right. know when this, this, this thing is going to stop, but I can't blame Sony for milking the fuck out of it. I really can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't blame them because it's, it's easy money, man. It's like you renting out your, your best character. To to a, a a big company, you get money from that. You get a mad guap from that, and then <laughs> you're making movies with characters that revolve around him without him, and it's still making big bucks. Yep, yeah, so you, you gotta get yep, get your nut. <laughs> you double dipping right now, you know, like you literally double dipping, and you're taking away characters that Disney might potentially want to use for the next films with Tom Holland. So right, right. That's that's true, because yeah. because if if they ever were to like prime example, let's say you know Spider Man Far From Home happens, we're in a, we're in a parallel universe right now, alternate alternate universe where they do a movie and want to use Venom and Carnage as villains. Okay, that's cool. If this was happening in the MCU, yeah, Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson would be casted, but this would be a one-off. You'd see them in these movies with Spider-Man one time, and that would be it. There would be no Tom Hardy in a trilogy of movies as Eddie Brock being Venom. It'd be a one-off. The only villains that really stuck around in the MCU were the ones that kind of made that mark with the fans and stuck, you know? Like, Like Loki. Exactly. There's been some accomplished actors throughout the MCU that have made cameos and appeared as villains, but they only did it one time, bro. Like, fucking Kate Winslet has won Academy Awards and was... Not Kate Winslet. My bad. I'm, I'm fucking up names Kate here, Blanchett. Bro. Yeah, <laughs> Kate Blanchett. Thank you. Thank you. Because would, I would have fucked that one up, bro. But <laughs> You're good, man. She's won Academy Awards and was in Thor Ragnarok as Hela. That was a one-off, bro. She ain't coming back. No, nah, she ain't saying? coming back. She ain't coming back. We all love Killmonger, but Killmonger ain't coming back as a featured villain again. Like that's not Come the on, way. Man. Don't don't destroy my dreams, man. Killmonger's coming back for Black Panther too. He, nah, he's gonna bro. be he's gonna be the new Black Panther. They're gonna revive him with the Soul Stone or something, man. Black. My man, we not getting <laughs> we not getting Eric X. Eric X ain't coming back, bro. Eric X. Is not coming back, not in a major, not in a, not in a way to where he's in, in, in that entire movie. No, that's not happening. But yeah, yep. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Fucking, uh, let's see here. Yellow Jacket. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Yellow you know Jacket. You know was that, was yeah. that a Netflix villain for Luke Cage or something? <laughs> uh, Yellow Jacket. 
I can't remember. Oh, shit. Oh, that's funny <laughs> as hell. <laughs> oh, man. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, bro. Shit, I love funny. Ant-Man on Wasp. Ghost. Who remembers yeah. her? Yeah, like, so, Hazer Face. You know what I'm saying? Ronan. I mean, Ronan. Ronan was in Captain Marvel as, like, a cameo, but, you know. So, and, and you know what I'm saying? Jewel Law as Marvel. So they, they know what they're mm-hmm. doing as far as casting their villains with the right actors, but they're doing these for one-offs. So if 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 the MCU was commissioning this, yeah, you'd probably see Tom Hardy as Venom, but you'd only see him one time. You know what I'm saying? Fucking Michael Keaton. Like, you know what I mean? So Yeah, he didn't show it up in uh, any other movie. You didn't no. see him in Falcon and the Soldier. Not at all. Not at all. And it's kind of funny that the the other guy with wings, who's named after a bird, isn't. Yeah, that, that would <laughs> that would have been a natural. Right yeah, there, right? that that would have been a natural. But hey, I mean, they don't want to risk Sony, uh, you know, getting their uh, toys mixed right. up with them. Yeah, yeah. I respect so, that. So, so yeah, but digress, digress. So you know, if if they can make the money while they can make it. Go ahead and do it, but they got to figure out what happens next. And I, okay, I think if they really wanted to, they could, they could try to kind of do something in there with Tom, with Tom Holland. If they really wanted to do it, they could do it. But I just don't think they want, they don't want to fuck up a good thing right now. You know what I'm saying? There's no need to, there's no need to put brakes on the gravy train. If you don't have to do it. So I can't blame them for that. But after Venom 2, there has to be a plan. Because that charm isn't going to work a third time. It's not. I, I don't see it working a third time. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we're kind of in agreement on that. So, you know, just quick segue here into another movie trailer. Um, I don't know if we really need to spend as much time on this one. Because we've mm-hmm. already kind of broken down the MCU movie trailer formula, but Shang Chi. Um, how you feel about Shang Chi, my brother? I'm already seeing Shang Chi toys in Walmart right now, man. Uh, I'm kind of lukewarm about it. I'm not expecting the best. I'm not expecting the worst. I think he looks good. Shang Chi looks like a you know he looks like a good. Um, you know, substitute Luke Kane, great value Luke Kane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just had to put that out there. I'm a Luke Kane fan, but yeah, you know, man. <laughs> yeah, man. But Shane Chi is one of those characters that never really got proper limelight in the MCU, or I'm sorry, Marvel Comics. We all know who the top martial art character of Marvel Comics, and that was Danny Rand. And uh, rest in print. That character is dead for he's out out probably until Lord knows when. We're not going to see Iron Fist again ever. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Maybe in a cartoon, but never live action. And in the comics, yeah, you could you could kiss him goodbye. So Shang Chi is interesting because I don't really have any. You know, it's kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy. It's kind of like a fresh new, like, I have no expectations. I don't know what these characters are about. I don't know any of his backstory. I don't know anything. So I'm literally going into this thing open-minded. I can't judge it like, oh, this ain't by the comic or 
This ain't by the movie. It's a very unknown, obscure character. Is there a better character to represent Asian Americans or kind of that Asian market in Marvel Comics? I really, I really don't know. I mean, I really couldn't tell you. I mean, he he was a part of that '70s kung fu black exploitation era of Marvel Comics. You had Luke Cage, you had Shang Chi, you had you know Iron Fist. You had the culmination of what made the '70s and a couple of titles of with Marvel Comics. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm all, I'm all, I'm honestly more excited for Tony Loon as Mandarin. I think mm-hmm. him. They got they got some 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 Asian cinema royalty attached to this project with him. Uh, this guy this guy is a, is a head man. This guy is loaded with films. Phenomenal actor. He's in one of the greatest action movies of all time. Hard boiled, man. Hard fucking boiled. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Movie of the week. I'm telling y'all, it's, it's it's coming. Movie of the week. I lost my disc one from Dragon Dynasty. I'm about to rebuy that bitch because I need to see that shit again. That's one that needs to be in the collection, man. Digi- yeah. Watching that on, on digital, watching that on a streaming device doesn't work, man. Like, Low key, bro. That's one of them joints. That's one of them joints that if you had it on VHS back in the day, you fucked up if you lost that VHS tape. Right, right. You was a real one if you got that shit on VHS <laughs> with no subtitles. That shit was <laughs> that shit was raw, man. No subs in that bitch. So Tony yeah. Loon, dude, he's gonna kill that. He's gonna kill that shit, man. I, I know we were all disappointed by the Mandarin and. <laughs> I remember oh, three. Man. Oh shit! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> they gotta put a joke in there. There has to yeah. be a joke. <laughs> There's gotta be some kind of reference or something. You know what I'm saying? These 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 American motherfuckers ruining my name. Some shit like that. You know? Yeah. These imposters, but. You know, it, it's going to be interesting to see where he fits in with the whole MCU. It's going to be interesting. How do you fit a martial artist? I don't even know his powers, man. I'm not sure if he could do a Liu Kang fireball or Ryu fireball or can he do a Kamehameha? I don't know if he can do the Ken, the flaming kicks. I don't know what kind of power. I'll be honest. I have no idea about this dude, dude. Right. So. There's no frame of reference at all for it. Nothing. I'll be honest with you. I don't care to YouTube it either. <laughs> Nope, I agree. I agree with that. I did. I, I really didn't even want to look at the trailer, but that has less to do with the character and the movie than anything else. Like at this point, I like we we already discussed this, but there's a formula to these trailers that if you've seen one trailer, you've kind of already seen all of them. They fought. They stick to the script for the most part with their trailers. But yeah. So so. Before, and I'm I'm glad you kind of broke that down. So, with the trailer though, I like that we actually are seeing him in action, man. I like that we seeing him giving out some work, man. You know what I'm saying? He giving out split kicks. Uh, That was nice, man. That was smooth, bro. Oh man, like he is like this. This dude is out here giving some work, some heavy, some heavy, heavy, heavy work out here man and it looks next level it looks for the m by mcu standards it looks to be next level fighting mm-hmm. cinematography you know like we we did our top five list of fighters 
and all of that. And I think we were both kind of accurate in our belief that this was going to kind of elevate it and put that over the top. You know, it's one thing, it's one thing to see Black Widow doing Krav Maga and and, and busting her Conranas and and arm triangles, but it's a whole, whole different beast from seeing, from seeing Shang-Chi putting it down on a speeding train, bro. Like, oh yeah, man. So uh, that, that part of it, if that's the draw to this movie, they're doing it right. The casting appears to be good as well as far as representation. Um, I think that the the actresses she goes by the name Aquafina. I mean, yeah, she's every, yeah, bro, she's everywhere. So I'm not mad at that either. I, I'm I'm not mad at that either. I I know this is never gonna happen, but I do want to kind of get into some. Uh, I do want to kind of get into some 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 uh, some off track booking here right all right what you got (laughs) like it would be it would really be fire bro like it would be okay the stick from daredevil did he end up dying did he die yeah he died in season two oh man yeah okay so he died but how fire would it be if matt murdoch popped up in this fucking movie oh Oh, man. Oh, it won't happen. Oh, 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 oh. It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't happen. But like, I'll, like homeboy, homeboy got done with fighting the fighting the mass dude in the skyscraper building with the lights, and he oh. turns around and there's Matt Murdock, ready to go, dude. Like, oh man, I know wishful thinking, but hey, some of us want to see Iron Fist have a cameo, get his ass beat. So <laughs> that, ain't, <laughs> that ain't gonna happen either. Hey, bro, how fire! Like how fire would that shit be though, bro? Like that that would be that would be off the I would I would mark out for that. I can't even front. Yeah. Would, if it was a hidden cameo that really stayed under wraps, like I would really be on board for that right there. Cause you know what I mean? That would be fire. That would be blending in and then you know, but that it'll never happen. <laughs> that, that 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 would never happen, but I was just thinking about that here. That would that would be kind of fire, bro. But that um, would be, man. That would be. But overall, man, Shang Chi is, is is one that if, I, I hope to be able to get to the theater to catch that one. Um, I don't know what my schedule like later into the year is gonna look like, but that <clears> is one that uh that that I'll be uh, that I'm there for. And if they if they could manage, and I mean, I don't know if this is going against popular opinion. But I've never, I haven't heard any negativity toward Ant Man or Ant Man and the Wasp. Like me and my wife watched it the other day. She hadn't seen either one of those movies at all, mm-hmm. and she was like, "These are my favorite movies. These are my two favorite Marvel movies right now: are Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp." Mm-hmm. So, if they could pop Ant Man to where this guy Scott Lang had legitimate credibility. You seen him throwing hands in Endgame, bro. You see, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> oh, bro, <laughs> right? He was up there throwing uppercuts, bro. <laughs> he was doing. He was doing some work, man. He was. <laughs> so. If... <laughs> Oh man, I'm thinking about that too because that was a slow. 
Them was some slow ass two pieces. He was there, man. Bro. Them shits, you felt them shits. <laughs> you felt them shits, man. He was he was doing that high impact, man. <laughs> he was doing damage. He was doing damage <laughs> with them two pieces, bro. <laughs> Knockout punch. Oh, I'm thinking about the sound that them shits was making, yeah. bro. Oh, my bad, dog. My bad. My bad. But if. <laughs> oh shit! If they could make Ant Man pop to where we're anticipating Ant Man three, I I don't see why Shang Chi as an action martial arts kind of kind of staple can't work. I don't see why that can't work. So yeah, yeah. You know. No, you know what? My mind has changed a little bit now. I do. I now actually do have expectations for this film. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be about story. It's not going to be about how it fits in the MCU. On to be honest with you, it has to rival Winter Soldier and fight choreography. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. That's that is the new expert. Come on now, you you got Shang Chi. He's supposed to be the top martial artist. You know you're going to martial art kung fu film. You know you got to bring it in that choreography. It it has to rival. It has to rival Winter Soldier's choreography. There's got to be something for me to want to YouTube the fight scenes. You know what I'm saying? Like, long after the film is finished, there's fight scenes I can always come back to for a film. I just watched Spider-Man get his ass beat by a Green Goblin from the first movie. Like, there's got to be some top-notch... Yes, they... I mean, there's got to be some top-notch fight choreography in this film. At the very least. I think it'll be there. And I think it'll be there. And I got the feeling it'll be there, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they are going to take some cues from the raid that goes without saying but that's okay it's okay it's okay if they do that bro and i yeah i don't even know i don't even know if shang chi wears a costume but i don't care if he wears a costume neither i just want to see motherfuckers getting them hands bro that's 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 all i really care about man so um so so with, with that being said man um we're looking we're looking forward to it the trailer the trailer was, you know, was what it was, but I, this is another one that we're looking out for. So uh, let us know how y'all feel about Shang-Chi and Venom coming up. If there's any other movie trailers, anything else on the horizon, let us know. And it might be a topic of discussion on this podcast. Holler at us. We on to the next one. Peace. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro. Like, the Mount Rushmore of MCU villains might already be set. And in, in the text I sent you, I said Thanos, Loki, um, Killmonger. Uh, I don't remember the other name that I sent you, bro. Damn. <laughs> Thanos, Killmonger, Loki, and, Bar- and Baron Zemo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For me, that's the that's the Mount Rushmore of MCU villains right there. It's not Ironmonger, you know. Nobody remembers him. It's not Whiplash. It's, it's it's not Whiplash. It's not the fake Mandarin. It's not the Abomination. There have been a lot of villains, and for the movies that they were in, they did a serviceable job 
Um, honestly, but for the most part, those four villains are still there. It wasn't Dormammu. Like, think about some of the names attached to the movies that came out for a second, bro. Dormammu? What? Are you serious? Yeah, that's yeah. pretty wild. Uh-huh. Like, I don't... Oh, man. Like, I, I still don't necessarily know what Dormammu was. I remember seeing him on the Spider-Man cartoon, and I knew whenever he popped up, shit was real. You know what I mean? Oh, man. Peter's life was going to hell when he popped up, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, man, this man about to take some some more L's when this dude shows up. Yeah. I, I wanted, and, and, and this will be an interesting topic for later on. I wanted to throw Ego in there on Mount Rushmore, but uh, I still wanted to, but I, I got to leave it alone for now. Even Ego, the living planet, bro. Like, we see, we've already gotten to Ego, the living planet, as a live action villain in, in an MCU movie, dog. You know what yeah, I mean? That's pretty freaking wild, dude. Yeah, we, we got Ronan the Accuser. Like, it, it's literally a rogues gallery of villains. You know what I mean? But yep. there really haven't been too many that I could say were separate or different from the other ones, that's not the fault of the actor or the character. It's just, by this point, there's a format that all of these villains have. These villains, and, and you know, I want to know how you feel about this, bro, but these villains aren't necessarily there to directly combat the protagonist, more so to them just being something in the way of the protagonist just to get to the next thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, the best villains, to me, were the ones that actually had a legitimate grudge with some of the characters because it was something that you felt. Like, how how you feel about that, bro? Yeah, I mean, to your point, all four villains, with the exception of Baron Zemo, uh, I mean, Thanos has a connection has a connection to Gamora, so there's a little bit of a family dynamic. Loki having that brother status with Thor, Killmonger having that family status and being a cousin of T'Challa. Yep. And then, I mean, Baron Zemo, he has a, essentially a family dynamic. If it got personal, you killed my family. You're responsible for my family dying. So now I'm gonna yep. handle business and have you kill each other. So. Yep. I think it is, it's always more, it's always more, it's always, when it's personal, you always get more involved with it. It's not just, I'm here to take over the world. It's like, no, you ruined my life. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take care of business. I'm going to handle you personally. It is always more interesting. It's more juicy. Like, it's one thing if Magneto doesn't want believe in mutant equal rights and wants mutants to you know rule the world it's another thing when he was best friends with charles and they have a brothership with each other and it's Mm -hmm. broken because of their ideologies that friendship causes that interest if he was just they were just strangers it wouldn't be that conflict you know right thanos killing gamora that was a personal goal goal he had to get over him killing Gamora was like, this guy is willing to go through any means to get the task done, even if it means killing family. That got Thanos more, even more so over as a 
villain on purpose. You know what I'm saying? Star Lord's yep. like, where's Gamora? That brought that personal feel of like, damn dog, he really did just kill her like that, you know? So yep. it does it does make I mean all Spider Man's villains personal. They all have personal connections to him. Green <laughs> Goblin, you know, his best friend's father. Doc Ock, you know, was a kind of like a childhood comic book wise, like a childhood mentor yep. slash an idol that he, he, he lived up to sort of as an adult. Yep. These uh, are know? people who let him these are people who let him down in his in his personal life before, you know, everything yep. there. Right, right. So, you know, not not to cut your wisdom because you're making a great point there. Nah, you good, man. But you know, when we do get into when when the Loki series is done and we are actually able to have a real conversation about that show, that's when I kind of want to get into the character breakdown and why I feel the way that I feel about that character. I don't want to give that away now because I kind of, you know, for just for obvious reasons, I don't want to give that away now. But it is an interesting thing to bring up there because, you know, I'm interested to see Kang the Conqueror. I don't know why, mm. but I'm interested to see Kang the Conqueror in part because I think that the actor, it's a fresh take on that character, and that actor has some momentum right now that's being brought to that character. It's great casting, and you hope that the hype around the actor can translate into a performance that is really special. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's what you would hope. Like, I hope that I don't know who's going to get casted as Adam Warlock. I don't know. I hope that that's something that could also be special with these villains who get casted, even with the God Butcher, I have, I don't know who the fuck the God Butcher is, but the fact that Christian Bale, who's everybody's favorite Batman, is attached <laughs> to Thor, loving the thunder, I hope that that is something special. I've never seen Christian Bale really get to ham it up and look like he's enjoying playing the part that he's playing. Like, that guy is a serious method actor for the most part you know what i mean <laughs> stupid serious like yeah as serious as it comes out there in hollywood yeah like even in comedies even in movies like american hustle it didn't look like he was enjoying playing that part even though that part was kind of being played up for a little bit of comedy so you know with, with the villains i just wanted to be special man i want to enjoy seeing their journey because when I go back to some of these movies, you know, Thor is always going to be there, right? I don't know who, I do not remember who the main villain of the Dark World even was, bro. To be honest don't with you, I used to remember because he would show up in the Marvel games. <laughs> don't, I, I don't remember, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> so I, I just want, I want these performances to really be something tangible. Like, nobody cares that you got Mickey Rourke to do a Russian accent for some strange reason. Nobody cares, bro. Like, nobody cares that Jeff Bridges 
was the first villain in an Iron Man movie, or that Timothy Roth was the villain in The Incredible Hulk. These mm. are guys that have legitimate resumes as actors. It's just yeah. their performances as the villains weren't really all that special. So at this point in the game, the casting has always been top-notch. But from here on out, with the casting of these villains, there's something that they need to bring to the table that's different from everything else. Because the bar has already been raised. The bar got raised when Michael B. Jordan was Killmonger. But the bar, he elevated the bar that Tom Hiddleston had already put in there. You mm. see what I mean? Yep. So th- this is what we need right now. The, the bar has to continue to be raised, bro. So that's my thought on the uh, MCU villains. Um, Final thought here, though. Are there any villains that have yet to be casted in the MCU that you would like to see casted? Because, you know, we got Namor. It, but we're going to get into that later on, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, when, when things get a little bit more confirmed. Yeah. Are there any other villains that haven't been seen yet that you would like to see? Uh, besides the obvious one of Doom, let's see... Honestly, uh shit for villains. Spider-Man, Captain Marvel, or now now I'm empty-handed, man. Now um I really like to see Kingpin come back, man, in some shape or form, dude. I really like to see Vincent D'Onofrio come back. Cause he said he's he raised the bar too, you know what I'm saying, in, in that Netflix series. Oh yeah, I agree with that. I definitely uh, agree with that. Damn, if there's one villain I would like to see in all these MCU films to make kind of a, a cameo or an appearance, fuck it, man. I'm going to say Hobgoblin, man. I like to see Hobgoblin. <laughs> Hobgoblin appearance, man. Spider-Man, far from home. You think it's Green Goblin, and they bring back William Dafoe, but they swap it to Hobgoblin in that bitch just because okay. of the alternate reality or whatever. <laughs> hey, it. that would... That would be a nice little swerve, huh? Yeah, yeah. Fuck it, man. You you deal with alternate realities. You think it's green, and it's actually Hob, and you got some stupid, nice, clean out. I like to see a clean outfit, man, of the Goblin series, like a nice MCU form. You know, the Power Ranger outfit from the first movie. It sufficed for two thousand one. It did, you know, it did what it had to do. Yep. But we we on the MCU train now, man. We we want this gene comic accurate now, man. Yeah, we yeah, they in got in a realistic way, and yep. they they can do it with color. So, yeah, that that would be solid, bro. The Hobgoblin would be a nice little spin because I I don't know, I think because I always thought when I didn't really know anything, I thought that the Hobgoblin was was Harry Osborn until I kind of did the knowledge and learned a little bit on that. But um, for me, not counting X-Men villains or anything like that, for me, I think there are two villains that I really would like to try to see if they could pull it off here. Right. I would like, number one, I'm just going to get it out of the way, Galactus. Ooh, Galactus, huh? Yep, Galactus. I'm I'm interested to see Galactus, and I think that 
I, I mean, I don't know. You can't really do Galactus without. Can you do Galactus without the Fantastic Four? Nope. I I think <laughs> you need Silver Surfer. You need the uh, Reed Richards. You need yeah. someone with the intellect, especially in the MCU now with Iron Man gone, Tony Stark gone. Uh, I mean, sure. Um, yeah, and also T'Challa gone as well. You have Bruce, and you have um, uh, what was the name? Ant Man, the original Ant Man. Uh, you have him. Hank Pym. Yeah. Hank Pym. You got Hank Pym and and Bruce, and I think that's all it for your scientist Shuri. I mean, that's three. Yeah, but but uh, I don't think anybody. They're not ready for Galactus right now. No, no. They're not. They all, all he has to say is the hunger is upon me. That's all he <laughs> has to say, bro. They're not ready for Galactus right now. Like they don't got no. enough years under their belt for Galactus right now. But I, I would like to see Galactus. And I mean, oh man, for some reason, bro. Like, just for some strange reason, man, the Super Scroll. Super Scroll. Oh, shit. And and there's a chance that we get that if they're leaning towards the secret invasion. Yeah, but damn, how you gonna do Super Scroll and mention <laughs> the Fantastic Force powers without the Fantastic Four being around yet? No, you see, you're right. You're right. And... and it's just with with those villains, it kind of a lot of that is going. It's going to take time before we get to that point. So mm-hmm. that that's kind of where I am there. I mean, there's other ones like okay, Blackheart and Doctor Strange too. Yeah, see, I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I mean, like they they haven't ran dry with the villains yet, but. If, if there, the only reason I kind of bring this up is if there is any great drawback to this MCU thing that they got going on right now, is that they did kind of burn through some of these brand name villains a little bit too quick, just a little bit too quick for that. You know what I'm saying? Like you still got the Red Skull out there somewhere as the Stonekeeper. He could make a comeback very easily at any point in time now that that stone is gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I get it. Hugo Weaving was miserable playing that part to where he was like, I'm out of here. Peace. But the Red Skull could come back, bro. Yeah, but, yeah. Especially, uh, you know, there's a lot of storylines evolving. You know, I'm not sure. You could always revive Hydra. Was, Hydra ain't went nowhere. Yeah. 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 You can always revive Hydra. That could be like, a thing. Like the Red Skull is, is such a I'm not such an interesting character, but to give you that was the signature villain for Captain America. Like literally, the signature villain for Captain America was the Red Skull. And we burned through him in one movie and got two cameos from him later on, but there's no other mention of the Red Skull. How does that make sense if Hydra is still operating here, bro? Like, if we can do retcons, like, you know what I'm saying? If there's retcons that can be done, we can retcon a way to where the Red Skull could be, like, resurrected or reincarnated and come back. 
now that Captain America is, you know what I mean? Like, there's mm-hmm. other scenarios that could be there, but we only got him for a one-off, and then that's it. So, you know, like, I didn't really appreciate that we got uh, the Vulture and Mysterio kind of moonlighting, looking for, yeah, you know. But anyways, like, share, and subscribe. This is the Behind the Scene Podcast. To be continued. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know your Mount Rushmore MCU villains in the comment section below. Yeah, definitely out. to be continued, bro. Yeah.